Mindset Squared Podcast with Mike and Mike. Giving you a knowledge cocktail every time. Mindset Squared Podcast with Mike and Mike. Bringing you the hottest topics around every time. We are back. Mike, how's it going? Doing well, man. How are you? I, I'll tell you what, I couldn't be better, actually. I'm uh, actually really enjoying life because ever since we did the episode on the law of attraction, um, I just keep attracting all this really cool shit into my life. And one of them is, remember we were talking about, you had mentioned something about my Tesla Roadster. Uh-huh. And so I had this red Tesla Roadster, right? And I... I don't know how, I just was thinking to myself, I really would love to have that car back. It'd be so nice to have that car back. Well, I didn't get that exact car back, but I did just get a Lotus Elise. Just bought it a couple days ago, and it looks almost exactly like my Roadster because they were built on the same platform. And I got this thing because I found a guy who was in a bad way and needed to sell his Lotus and been sitting in his garage, needed money really fast. And so I just showed up with cash and bought the thing. And so now I got this beautiful car sitting here in my, uh, my uh, little uh, airplane hangar kind of space. So I'm really oh, beautiful. Yeah. I saw that picture you tweeted out. The oh, the Cobra. Yes. I said, yeah. Yeah. I, I said, Hey, even Cobra Tate would hang out in this office. Yeah. I, I sometimes I pull my cars into the, uh, into the office. Mm-hmm. you know for speedy getaways yeah yeah it was it's a good looking car so you but you no longer have the tesla you sold that one right i sold the tesla roadster and i i, I don't even like to bring it up because i'm so upset about selling the tesla roadster mm-hmm. i had i had tesla roadster number 114 so it was the 114th car that tesla ever produced right and uh, i bought it directly from the fremont factory uh-huh. Uh here in the Bay Area. Beautiful car, wicked, wicked quick. I mean, that thing three point something, you know, three point five zero to sixty, something like that. Incredibly quick. And you know, it's weird driving uh, a car, a sports car like that, unlike like a Corvette or a Ferrari or Lamborghini or a Lotus. It's totally silent, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like you're cruising along and then you gas it and gas, it's probably the wrong word. You smash on the throttle and the thing just, it sounds almost like a remote control car. It's just, and it just takes off. Mm -hmm. It's really, those things are just so, I love electric cars. I mean, absolutely love them. I own a Model S, a Tesla Model S now, um, which is a very, very cool car. It's, it's, It's almost like, you feel like you're driving an Apple product when you drive one of those because it's not, you know, it just doesn't seem like a car. It seems like you're in the future. I don't know if you remember the very first time in your life when you ever held a okay. iPhone. Keep talking. I'm looking for an email right now. It's going to break your heart. So keep talking about Tesla and Apple and everything else. Okay. Okay. I, I found, um, um, oh shoot. What, where is, I'm trying to find, um, I'm trying to find the exact email. But so and, this, so this Model S, I'll tell you, it's seriously like driving though, an Apple product. Yeah, I know it's not Apple. And so don't, 
call me up and shoot me messages and tell me that, you know, Tesla is not Apple. But listen, they're in the same area and they do kind of have the same cult following. And if you remember, Mike, like the very first time in your life you ever held a iPhone and used one, I'm sure you were as much in awe as me. It was like almost like a Star Wars or Star Trek moment in life where you're like holding this device that's mm-hmm. so advanced, you feel like you you catapulted into the future. Mm-hmm. And I, I remember that I was at a I was at a bar one night way back, I don't even remember what year it was, and there was a guy there that had just got the iPhone three and he let me hold the thing. And I mean, back then touchscreen was like a big deal. Like you, there's no buttons on this. Right. And so it's so amazing. And that's the way it feels when you're driving a model S it definitely has that kind of aura about it or that kind of, uh, excitement in your gut that you you get when you, uh, try something new. But, uh, all right. So you got an email for me? Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm here's something I'm, I'm finding the exact email, but the, the punchline is the date. And this kind of goes into the world of what do you do when you do the right thing, but it's wrong. So I'm reading an email from November 15, 2012. I sent it to my um, wealth manager and I said, I spent a lot of time at the Tesla store last night. The store itself is well lit, elegant, and simple. The well, there's a one large car on display. When you step inside, you're immediately drawn to the car. And I kept going on and on and on about why Tesla was a great buy and I was talked out of buying the stock. (laughs) And that was, that was uh, November, November 12th, 2012. And I think, I think Tesla was maybe 25 bucks. Uh, I'm I'm trying to, yeah, I'm trying to find the exact day. So I missed. You would have had a 10 bagger. You would have had the, uh, the 10 bagger on that. At least. And because I'm smart about Kia keeping gains there, yeah, and, and I, 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 but the, the rational reason was, well, you don't have any inside information. It's just a hunch. What, what do you know that all the experts don't at the time? Everybody said the stock wasn't good. And yeah, I would have had at least a 10-bagger. And the, you know, I don't want to give investment advice or everything else, but th- that's when I learned, you know, why didn't I just put 25000 down, right? If I lost a twenty five grand for me, that wouldn't have been to the end of the world. And it's also why I tell people I don't believe in day trading at all. But I do believe in the Buffett rule, which is 90% of your stuff needs to be not your, because that could be construed as investment advice. Me personally, here's what I do. And then we can talk about what you do and nobody's getting investment advice. But 90% of what I do personally is ETFs, exchange traded funds that track the overall market, 90%. And because the market is always going to go up or else we're in doomsday, dollar cost average. So I invest in regular intervals, um, amount of money. But one year after that, because I feel sick, I, my stomach just grumbled right now thinking about it. Every year I make a bet and I know that I'm making a bet, but I only make one bet. And the reason I call it the Buffett rule is in a talk he gave at NBA class, he said, what if instead of trying to become a trader, because everybody wants to be a trader, what if I just gave you a ticket card right now, today? You get 20 punches. That's 20 business bets you can make in your life, 20 investments that you can make in your life. What would you do then? How would you, how would you invest? And he said that one reason he left New York was because they want to hit him up 10 times a day with deals. And what he said is, no, I want one deal a year or maybe no deal that year. You don't have to do rush into it. 
And I, and I thought about that approach is, yeah, I could have, that would have been my only bet of the year. So for example, with Bitcoin, I made a bet on Bitcoin and thank God I did because it saved me. Um, it, it, it paid off quite handsomely. But if I thought like, and I told the same person who, you know, about Tesla, I said, Bitcoin, I'm buying a bunch of Bitcoin and then didn't do it. And then the one thing trade I didn't make though, that I should have is when Elon Musk tweeted out of a funding secured 420 as a lawyer, yeah. my brain went, okay, he's in big trouble. And I should have shorted, I should have shorted Tesla um, then because my brain, like everything that you know as a lawyer is like, duh, 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 red, you know, red alert, you can't, this is non-public material, non-public information probably isn't even true, which as it turned out, it wasn't true. And I didn't make that bet, but I don't feel bad about it because I, I made another bet. So what's your investment approach? Well, my investment approach is don't bet against Elon Musk. That would be my, my first uh, investment approach. Although I'll admit readily that I bought the car rather than the stock. So I should have bought the stock when I bought the first car. I'd have a lot more money today. But uh, my investment advice, I mainly, or I should say what I do personally is on stocks, I, uh, I do tend to play the market a little bit um, and I'm not the best at that. And I tend to play with larger blue chip stuff like, uh, you know, Apple and then div dividend reinvestment, things like that. Um, I've done okay on some of those investments, but I also went through a period where I really liked uh, high dividend yield stocks. So I was buying oil uh, producers uh, like Lynn Energy and things like that that went bankrupt. Um, so that's never fun to go go through that that process either. So I've I've learned my lesson year after year after year of being uh, not a great stock player unless I just sit on something forever. So most of my investments are in the real estate space. Uh, a very small percentage of my portfolio is in stocks and it's really just 401k money. And I keep that at Charles Schwab and the bulk of that even is in um, a couple, you know, large cap mutual funds, which I don't even know the names of because I never even look at it. Well, so, that's a good point. Just, yeah. And so not to interrupt you, but that's a great point. I don't know the ETFs I'm in either. Um, I, mm -hmm. I, it's VTI or something that some Vanguard fund where the management fee is like 0.13% or some, something like that. Exactly. Yeah. And, and that's what most people don't know is if most people who are doing okay in life or, or successful, they don't know what they're invested in because you're not investing in the latest widget of the day. Oh, I saw this thing and look how shiny this is. Or, oh, the people on the message board are talking about this stock. Therefore it's hot or people on seeking alpha. No, 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 don't do that, please. Yeah, yeah I personally, I, I just like having, I, you know, over the course of my career, I've made the most money on investing in businesses, investing in um, assets. And this is going to sound a little counterintuitive, but also investing in relationships. Uh, I've found that really the value, the biggest return on investment, which is, this is, Really, the, I think this point that I'm going to make will shock most people, but a lot of people ask, Mike, you know, I'll get these messages, you know, how, how do you live, you know, the lifestyle you live? I mean, if I want to stay at home and not come into work, I don't come into work, right? And sometimes I don't get to work till 1030 in the morning. Sometimes I work until nine o'clock at night and then I go home, I'll have something to eat, maybe, you know, talk to my kids a little bit, do that thing. And then I might be working again until, you know, 12 o'clock until 130 in the morning. And, but people are kind of envious of 
my lifestyle because I'm able to, you know, go out for a two hour lunch if I want. I'm able to just kind of randomly meet people or go do things or take up projects. And a big part of that, I would attribute most of that, my success to building uh, wicked relationships, like really, really solid core relationships um, with, you know, people that move the needle in my mind and uh, are fun to be around. Uh, I enjoy talking to them and, uh, and it leads to other people that are, that are interesting. And ultimately there's just weird investments and weird ways to make money that come up when you network with the right people. Um, you know, I've invested in things where, you know, guys have needed, you know, like, Hey, I, I want to buy, uh, this certain, these like eight car clutches because there's only a handful of car clutches out there, you know, and the market's really you know low on these parts and I can buy them for five grand and we can resell them for $15,000 and I'll split the money with you. Something like that, right? I don't know anything about that, but this particular person knows everything about it. And I know that they're very passionate about it. And so sometimes I'll back things like that. Um, you know, or, or make some money doing things like that. And that all comes from relationships and, and then investing and in going to um, events. You did, a, you did a really good solo podcast uh, a few, maybe a week ago or something about the uh, 21 convention. And that was one of the, actually one of my favorite podcasts that uh, you've recorded. It was really, uh, I thought it was really insightful because you were talking a lot about you know, the, the network and people don't understand. And I know it's a cliche, but they hear this, this cliche of your, your net worth is your network. And it is a cliche, but it is really, it's really true. There's a lot of truth behind that. Uh, some of the relationships I've made and just money that I've saved, right? I mean, if you had a problem with your car, who would you call? Right. I know. Nestor. I actually felt bad because there, um, I had a flat tire and I needed a patch and I was like, hey man, this is way above your pay grade, but I don't, they don't, and the car, the type of car I have now, they don't come with spare tires anymore. So yeah, yeah, yeah but I, yeah, actually, yeah, you, you know, you know someone. And, and I think the lesson there too, though, is when people do reach out to their network, if that's a low leverage request, at least be like, hey, like I know you're not a tire change guy, bro, but I'm right. I'm stuck here on the side of the road, and I need to get somewhere fast. And the roadside service yeah. is going to tow my car. And, and da 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 da. Yeah. And I'm bringing yeah, and I bring that up as kind of a low level example, right? And it is, but it's also uh, just having that network of really solid, you know, guys that you can rely on that you know, will we'll step up and like, you know, support an event you're throwing or they'll step up and help you out with something mundane like that, right? Like changing a tire or whatever. Um, it's just having that network. And I, I will tell you that those little things that probably any guy understands when, you know, you have a, a set of friends like, hey, I'm moving from this apartment to this apartment when I'm 22 years old, you're able to call on the set of guys that come and help you and save you 400 bucks so you don't have to hire a moving company. Um, that exact same thing applies on a much larger, much grander scale when you're older and more successful. And there are, there are things and there's people that you network with that help you build your business and build your life up that um, invest in people and invest in those relationships. Don't burn bridges. Even if you get upset with people or things don't go your way, you know, don't be petty. 
support your friends. And believe me, it's one of the greatest things that you can do to pay dividends. I mean, just simply sending out a, I don't know. I mean, you could talk to this, Mike, you've got a massive social media following. I mean, you sending out a retweet of some guy's new book or something, you know, probably goes a long way. And, uh, and that comes back to you, I would imagine a hundredfold or even a thousandfold, you know, on the turn on that some, somewhere down the road. Sometimes it doesn't. But um, investing in people and, and being, you know, a good guy and sometimes you just have to ch- turn the, the, the cheek, right, and, and look the other way when things don't go your way rather than burn a bridge. And um, I don't know. I'm sure you've had that experience and, and certainly you can add value to, to that discussion. The network definitely is based on leverage. So in life, everything in life really is either about leverage or momentum. You're either, you're either moving levers and things are happening. And a network is a longer lever. The, who is it? The mathematician and the philosopher said, give me a lever long enough and I can move the world. And that's your network. When you're, when you're starting out as other 18-year-olds, like what can you really do right, with each other? Maybe your friend can introduce you to a girl or somebody. The leverage is like lower. But as you rise above in the world and as your network increases, like I can call people who can do things, you know, people wouldn't believe. And that's because the leverage of your network increases. And then likewise, you make fewer calls to your network. You don't like, for example, one of my pet peeves are when people will ask me like, how do I start a blog? And I, I block those people. And it isn't that there's anything wrong with them per se, but that's not the kind of question you would ask me if you were ready to play the game, right? Cause you could Google that. That's not a right. Right. With me, everything I tell people is what is like, I'm 41. I've been up, I've been way down. I've gone through things that are hard for people to believe actually. And your question for me is something that you could ask anybody, a fungible question. Oh, how do I do this? How, do I, it's like, how about you ask me a, a leverage question? And if people don't, know how to ask those leverage questions. That's because too, they're, they're not putting in the work because a leverage question would say, I've run into this kind of, I, I think you and I talked about this actually before where I would never say, Hey, Mike, how do I buy a house? <laughs> right. That would be yeah. insulting to you. Um, even though you would be gracious and nice because you're a little bit nicer than I am. That's not the kind of question I would ever ask you. Now I might say, Oh, I'm looking to buy a house in this area this is how much they want down. Here's the rate. Do you know someone who could get me a better rate? See, mm-hmm. that's, that's the kind of, but, but I would know to, to go to you for the real estate question or Jay, who I do a podcast with. I, I would know to go to people, but I wouldn't just say, I, I want to buy a house. Like, what do I do? Like a, like a child. And as you make those smart decisions and build up your network, your network power increases and therefore your leverage increases where you're, you're doing things that are moving, in some cases, world events and world affairs. Yeah, on, that is, <laughs> you know, it, it's interesting to think about it that way, but that is true. And, and you're also creating a, a, better, a better world for everybody um, when you're doing that. I, I just, it, it, this whole idea of leverage, how, how does that play into a mentor? Can a mentor give you leverage in your mind? And can you get leverage out of, out of having a mentor? Well, Ryan Holiday wrote an article that was the equivalent of, and I like Ryan Holiday because he's a, what do you call him, optimi- optimistic polemicist. And the article is, no, I'm not going to be your mentor. <laughs> and okay. he lists all the reasons. And when I read that article, I 
I agreed with his reasoning. Now, of course, Ryan Holiday also wrote an article, Don't Start a Podcast, which clearly we have one. But there, yeah. there, and there, there's something to be said for putting forth the polemicist case against it. And the way I view it is don't look for a mentor unless you've read 50 books. What books? I don't care. You'll figure it out. Right. 50 books. Have you so read you're 50 saying books the, value, the values in the question. What can I extract from that mentor? What can I learn from that mentor? And not just stuff that I can pick up the inner, uh, pick up my phone and Google it. But what are really quality leverage questions to get out of that mentor? Yeah, because what young people offer is energy, enthusiasm, creativity. And, oh, I never thought about this from that perspective. I'll think about that. Even like when I was at this convention, the 21 convention or whatever, I learned a few marketing things from Ed and Alex, which I don't agree with, but it works very, very well for them. So it isn't wrong. And I'll just tell people right now, I'm still a big believer in email list drives people to your blog, to the podcast. They're the new philosophy and they're doing phenomenal. So I'm not arguing with them is no, 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 you don't have a blog. You just send out emails rather than have a blog post the emails, it works better. And they also believe that you should sell people your first email. So sign up for my email list. The minute they sign up, you're giving them offers because then if they don't want to be sold to, they're just going to unsubscribe. And it's working. They're doing great. They're very successful. And that's more of the click funnels model. So I'm not here, but I'm, I didn't, their philosophy is fine. Now I learned that. I didn't know that. I was like, okay, that's actually really smart even though that's not my approach or what I'm going to do or, uh, and I have various other reasons for the way I do it, the way I do it. But that's just an example of me being around younger guys who, you know, AJ and others have had said I've mentored them in a way, but right. I mentor them um, on the internet. They read my stuff. They, they didn't right? AJ didn't email me four years ago. Can, can you be my mentor or whatever? AJ read my stuff. Oh yeah, this is good. This is actually smart. And then he went through a very specific challenge in life that I helped him with. And I'm not going to go into that, but that was, it was the kind of, I'm one of the few people that if you're being attacked by your end group or whatever, I'm the guy of like, okay, I've been attacked by the media. I've been defamed, you name it. So that's, right. That's leverage. Or you talk, you know, that's leverage. If you're like, hey, man, I'm, there's a hate mob forming against me. What do I do? Should I apologize? That's when you call me. You don't call me to say, hey, Mike, I woke up, didn't feel like going to the gym. What should I do? You should yeah. forget my number. Delete my, you know, delete my email. <laughs> yeah. Delete my contact info. Yeah, right. forget you know me. Right. Okay. And, but the, and then well, what they bring is, because they're training in new methods, a mentor can say, oh, have you heard about this thing? I read it. Now, a lot of times, you know, in real estate, it'll be a scam, but at least they're thinking, oh, yeah, I, I heard this thing. You know, have you tried that? Well, yeah, maybe that woodwork hadn't heard of that. That's what they offer is um, you're in life, you're always running a playbook or a script or a software. And then the younger guys are running a different software. It might be wrong and you might need to say, no, you need to get that out of your mind. But yeah. sometimes there's something to it. So the the click funnels model that a lot of those guys use, that's great. And it works and it works well for them. And maybe I'm wrong. And maybe if I try it their way, I'll be proven wrong with the data. And I'm always prepared to be proven wrong with the data. Yeah. Which is always, you're, you're always learning. Right. And, and, and willing to adjust, which is a big part of it. I, and that's a big part of having a mentor is being able to surrender yourself to that advice. Because a lot of these guys go out, myself included, 
Um, and I, here, I'll, I'll, I'll be vulnerable here, Mike. I'm, I'm going to give some, I'm going to give people an insight into something that I really struggle with, which is my physical fitness of losing weight and getting to the gym. Okay. So I hired this guy and he's really good and I get all on it and I'm on it for about three or four weeks. And then all of a sudden, you know, the weekend rolls around and I have some champagne and then I'm having pizza or whatever and I'm off the thing again. And then it takes me until Tuesday or Wednesday to go, ah, I want to get back on it again. So that's something that I, I mean, when people talk about, hey, I struggle with this or that, I struggle with that. I've hired a guy. I have not completely surrendered to the process yet. And I know that about myself. I know I just need to surrender to the process and do everything he says and shut the fuck up. Uh, but I haven't been able to get there on that side of my, you know, health and well-being yet. I, I, I feel like I'm getting closer because I keep incrementally, I get a little bit better. I lose a few pounds. I'm not regaining it. But then I plateau because I eat like shit. You know what I mean? And so it's like this real slow progression where if I got real serious with it, I could just knock that out and, and be down 30 pounds in, you know, 40 days, right? And I just haven't gotten like totally freaking surrendered to the process. So whether it's business, whether it's, you know, you like your lifestyle, your passion, uh, your physical fitness, you know, whatever it is, or just finding your purpose in life, you have to surrender to that mentor, or that process. Otherwise, what's the point? Yeah, the one, I would get this a lot with younger people, which is they would want to argue with me. And I'm just like, it's not a debate society, bro. I'm giving you my time for free. And if you want to join a debate society, go argue with your other 23-year-old friends. They would say, hey, Mike, should I do this or not do this? Yeah. yeah. Well, why? What's your reasoning? Oh, okay, bro. Like, go. go. Go forth and be happy, right? But yeah. I'm, not, I'm not here to argue with people, explain people, have a debate club. And, and, and by the way, there's nothing wrong with questioning what you're told. But if you're asking somebody something specific and you're given an answer and then you want to push back or argue against it, you're, you're wasting that person's time and that people aren't going to want to talk to you anymore because I can argue with people in a way that's leveraged, not in a way. So even when I'm arguing with people, it's leveraged. I can argue with the entire internet, right? I, I, got, I made the internet debate cargo shorts for crying out loud, you know, which is right. kind of silly and frivolous. But why am I going to argue with you for half an hour when I could do something more leveraged with my time? And that's well, yeah, if I, hire, if I hire Mike Cernovich to help me build my Twitter following, and I'm going to have you coach me for two months on how to build a great Twitter following, um, and I've only got 200 followers right now, am I going to argue with you about what you tell me to do? And what you tell me to do might be completely counterintuitive to me, and it might feel weird and everything else. But you're the pro. You're the guy that has it. You're the guy that knows how to do it. So listen to those people. And that's what I, I think so many people, you're, you're dead on with this, is they will not fight, you know, themselves and fight within their mind to have that right mindset to let this, per this is the person you hired. This is the expert. This is the guy with the six pack abs and, you know, the huge pecs and everything. And am I going to, you know, argue with him about how to, you know, build my body? I'd be an yeah. idiot to do that. No, there's, there's a ton of that. And it's bizarre because you're, they don't think of it this way, but there's so many other things highly successful people can do than talk to you, right? There, there's that line where you want to believe in yourself and you want to have self-worth. And there's also a sense of, yeah, this is kind of a 
you know, this is douchey, but this is kind of a big, big person. This is kind of an important person. And I'm yeah. trying to argue with this person about nonsense. And there, there's just that lack of awareness that people have where, hey, ask your question. Even if you disagree, even if you're not going to do it, don't, don't start a debate. Or I'll get where they would be like, well, explain yourself. No, I actually won't explain myself. And I have two daughters who need my attention. I have multiple right. businesses. I have multiple podcasts. Other, no, I'm not. I can explain myself on a podcast. And so the way I, the way I put it to people is, I don't know, I, in half an hour I can talk to, I don't know, between 25,000 and 100,000 people. And you want me to talk to you about and to argue in a way that's not pleasant for me. But why would I talk to you? Because I could just share that message in a podcast. And again, it goes back to, that's why you should read 50 books. If you read 50 books, you're not asking people dumb questions. If you read 50 books, you're asking, uh, or 100 books or whatever, you're asking interesting questions. Hey, Mike, should I go to law school? No, because X, Y, and Z. Oh, but I actually read this book about this great trial lawyer, and I feel like that's my passion, that's my calling. Okay, well, yeah, I don't want to kill your dreams. Just know the downsides. Versus, well, you say don't go to law school, but oh, my dad told me lawyers are making a lot of money. That's usually the response, just some idiot robot NPC response. But, it, but when you're well-read and learned and you're paying attention, then you could come back and, with an actual point, in which case most people are going to say, hey, man, good well, luck. Well, they're going to ask the leverage question that you talked right. about earlier. Right, exactly. You're like, okay, yeah, that... I, I still think maybe you're making a mistake, but you know, that's cool. But that's actually well thought out versus I'm repeating conventional wisdom or what I read somewhere, what someone told me. Speaking of which, we got another uh, ticket sale just came in for our event in Napa. So that is June 1st, right? Literally is where we're doing that. June, June 1st. 1st. Okay. Yeah. Let's talk about that. Sure. Uh, June 1st in beautiful Napa Valley, California. Uh, Mike puts on these incredible uh, cigar events uh, with his uh, buddy Nestor in um, Orange County. And we're going to do a hybrid of that event uh, here in Napa Valley. We'll talk about that. You're a master salesman, bro. Come on. We're, we're selling oh, these okay. people. All right. Oh, I, I, I thought we were going back and forth. I thought you were going to. We're still alive. So, anyway. Okay. We're painting the picture, people. Join us. Cigars, whiskey. We're actually, we always have a great network of people who come in. AJ usually shows up. Nestor shows up. But not only that, not only can you watch us do a live podcast, but people claim they want to invest in real estate and they have entrepreneurial endeavors that they would like to talk to. So they could talk to you about that, Mike. So what, what could a person who shows up talk to you about? Yeah, so... Besides the, and, and we actually, it's interesting because that's what we just talked about, right? Is is leveling up your network. So when I do, and and I've got a amazing place here in Napa Valley, and so when I do an event, I have folks show up from all over the country. Uh, the last event that I did about six weeks ago, I mean, we had people that came all the way from South Carolina for the event, and so you know what I do in in where I am, you know, in, in my life is I've created a lot of passive income, which really interests people of all age groups. And it's a great thing to start when you're in your twenties 
it's a great thing to start when you're in your 40s. It really doesn't matter whether you're going to, uh, you know, have that to go on for a long time, have that for your heirs, whatever it is. Uh, investing in uh, some passive income is really important. I'm very, very, very good at that. I easily could not do anything for the rest of my life and uh, not have to work again. It's one of the reasons why I go through these kind of I don't know, periods in my life where I'm working really hard and then I kind of step back and say, is this really what I want to do? Is there some other projects that I could take on, you know, like this podcast? Um, you know, you and I are not making a million dollars a year off this podcast, but uh, we both really enjoy, you know, giving back to people and we enjoy, you know, uh, each other's, uh, you know, banter back and forth and helping people, uh, you know, maybe think on a higher level and think about, you know, what, what's going on. So I'm available. I can talk real estate, whether it be wholesaling. Um, I just closed two uh, wholesaling deals last week. You can go to my Facebook page. I, I recorded a quick video uh, with my business partner on that. I think we walked out of the title company with checks totaling over $200,000. So we could talk about wholesaling real estate. Uh, I have a fix and flip company. I've got two fix and flip projects going right now. Uh, it looks like I just got another uh, $1.2 million fixer uh, in contract this morning uh, in uh, Sonoma, which is uh, very close by, uh, still a wine country location. So, you know, I, I'm happy to talk about fix and flip. I'm happy to talk about passive income. I'm happy to talk about the wholesaling business. My real passion, the piece of the real estate business that I really, really enjoy right now is Airbnb. Um, I've got a handful of Airbnbs I'm adding to my personal portfolio uh, as quickly as possible. And I'm looking at Airbnbs from uh, Laguna uh, all the way up into uh, Mendocino County. So, you know, I, I'm real passionate about uh, the Airbnb space right now. It's probably my favorite part of the real estate sector at the moment. I kind of go in and out of, of interest levels, but that one is, is and it kicks off so much money. So that's probably why I really like it. But it's kind of fun to organize that business too. So I'm available to talk about that. But more importantly, it's just a great way to build camaraderie with a group of real estate investors and then a group of creatives, free thinkers. It definitely has a real serious California vibe. I mean, your, your events are just really, really cool, uh, laid back events. And, you know, you could probably talk about that more than me, of course. But, uh, but I've attended your events as, as a guest where I didn't even know you. So... Yeah, so people, they can fly into what you fly into Sacramento Airport. So people think Napa, unattainable. People could fly into Sacramento, come to the event, which we kept general admission tickets reasonably priced, and then fly back out that night. Yeah, so the event's going to include, um, it'll be in a really, it's going to be in a great venue. We'll release the uh, venue location the day of the event. Um, but we're going to have, uh, a, a Mike's wife, Shauna, has been, uh, more than gracious in getting some of the stuff planned. And uh, we're going to have a winery there pouring wines. We're going to have uh, a selection of whiskeys and other, you know, cordials if you're into that. And then we're going to have a catered uh, barbecue dinner and um, great camaraderie and cigars. So, and yeah, Napa Valley is super easy to get into. We have five major airports. I would fly into them in this order. Sacramento, Oakland, San Francisco, Santa Rosa, and then Concord if you have to. Uh, San Jose is an option too, but you know that's a little bit further drive. That's about a 90-minute drive. 
Beautiful. Sounds like a great way to end the podcast. We hope to see all of you in Napa on June 1st. Come on out. Uh, tickets are available at sternrich.com forward slash events. Also at mindsetsquared.com. Probably the easiest place to find them right now, though, is sternrich.com forward slash events, and the tickets will be right there. Yes. Okay, good seeing you, Mike. Always a pleasure. See you in a couple weeks.